welcome everybody to another episode of Inner Visions of the, well wait, I'm sorry, Inner Visions of a Political Side Hustler. This is Raymond Ricks, the second your host for this afternoon. I have a couple of interesting topics I wanted to discuss. I wanted to discuss President Trump and his battle against the 14th Amendment. And we have a special, special commentary on the legendary actress Taraji P. Henson in the ESPN culture. So sit back, relax, and enjoy inner visions of a political side hustle because we're hustling baby in 2023 let's get it We begin this morning with a Fox News alert from President Donald Trump vowing to fight back after being removed from the GOP primary ballot in Colorado. The state Supreme Court ruling that Trump violated the 14th Amendment of the Constitution because of January the 6th. The Colorado Supreme Court confirmed that the district court got it right, that he did engage in insurrection. I think uh, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment has to apply to the presidency because if not, it's a get-out-of-jail-free card. Literally, Jack Smith, who would charge Donald Trump with absolutely everything, including jaywalking if he could get away with it, didn't even charge Donald Trump or most of the, the rioters on January 6th with insurrection. Presidential candidate and former Governor Ron DeSantis and current Florida Governor Ron DeSantis calling it an abuse of power and the U.S. Supreme Court should reverse the decision. And the White House hopeful Vivek Ramaswamy taking things a step further. Listen to this, saying, I pledge to withdraw from the Colorado GOP primary ballot until Trump is also allowed to be on the ballot. The former president spoke yesterday in Iowa. They want to silence me because I will never let them silence you. And in the end, they're not after me. They're after you. I just happen to be standing in their way. Well, the Trump campaign team wants to have the matter, matter settled by the U.S. Supreme Court before a January 5th deadline, if he wants to be on the ballot in Colorado. Let's bring in Andrew Cherkansky, a former federal prosecutor and criminal defense attorney. Andrew, good morning to you. Good morning. What a uh, wild turn of events. Yeah, no kidding. Now, this only this only pertains to one state, and it only pertains to their primary election. But with the Supreme Court deciding it, uh, this is going to apply to all the states. More than just dozens of other states that are uh, evaluating the same issue. So I think that the uh, decision in the state of Colorado is something that the Supreme Court has to weigh in on because at the end of the day, this is a question of a political nature. Who is going to be the next president of the United States? Is that a question for the people of this great country or is that a question for state courts uh, that uh, has uh, yet to be done ever in the history of this country? Yeah, so Andrew, in, in the opinion, if you read it, um, 
They use phrases, and they use January 6th, the report, as a basis for this as well. They cite things like fight like hell, go to the Capitol, go by different rules, and that Trump supporters, and this is their quote in the president, said they listened to him like no one else. So the president uh, legal team fought against that as a pretext. The court said that they disagreed. But then you go to the dissent, and I think this is the big question here. Uh, the dissent said this, how is the result of this fair? How can we expect Colorado think to embrace this outcome as fair. Below, protect. how does this protect the interests of Colorado and voting for the candidate of their choo choosing? So how do, how do you answer that question? How is this fair to the people of Colorado? Um, and is this really due process? Well, it's not fair, and there's uh, about a half a dozen reasons why. The opinion from the state of Colorado was over 200 pages long, and so it's easy to grab a headline from that. But as we get deep into the legal issues, one of the legal issues is that they, uh, the state court that actually reached the ruling that an insurrection occurred used the January 6th congressional findings. And that's something that would typically be considered hearsay in a court of law. And so at the end of the day, what we're looking at is a state court judge making a determination that there was an, an act of insurrection relying upon the highly partisan January 6th commission uh, to make that finding in a five-day trial uh, that uh, effectively will change the shape of the entire uh, American presidency. So this case is really based on two questions. And one of them is, did Trump, uh, you know, commit this insurrection? And the other is, does Section 3 of Article 14, or the 14th Amendment, rather, does that, can that be applied to the presidency? Can you tell us what Section 3 of the 14th Amendment is? First of all, that's going to come up a lot, so I'm sure a lot of people want to know about that. And also, do you think that the former president uh, incited an insurrection? Well, so the idea of Section 3 of the 14th Amendment is a clause that was put in after the Civil War. And we have to remember what that means. The Civil War, where hundreds of thousands of Americans took up arms against each other, trying to uh, create two separate nations here. That's the notion of insurrection at the time that that clause was written into the Constitution. And then to ask the question of whether an insurrection took place here. Well, in a nightmare scenario where a president who's leaving office attempted to to create an insurrection. I mean, that's the idea of raising armies. That's the idea of blood in the streets, where there is a real civil war type uh, event that takes place. The idea of January 6th, where there was a uh, uh, an angry mob of folks who uh, had a, uh, a moment of speech where they started to uh, scream and yell at, at politicians at the state, uh, at the national capital. While that is something that is a, a terrible event to have taken place, to call that an insurrection, uh, commiserate with what we're talking about with the Civil War is something that I simply uh, do not see. And I don't see there having been a due process type system having taken place to give Donald Trump the right and opportunity to fight that allegation. Could you tell me how this looks? So you have 13 uh, separate states uh, that so they had nine. They got these uh, nine of these states got their court case dismissed. Uh, not valid. We're going to move on. Now, there's 13 other states that are looking to do the same thing as Colorado. Uh, they're looking to have their case heard and see what the state. All right. 13 states with suits to bar Trump from the ballot. All right. Oregon. Nevada. Wyoming. 
New Mexico, Texas, Alaska, um, Wisconsin, New York, West Virginia, Virginia, South Carolina. And we're not even talking about Vermont and New Jersey. All right. Two pending appeals, Arizona and Michigan. Colorado is the state that has uh, barred Trump from the ballot. Wow. Now, the question is legally. The Supreme Court of Colorado has barred Trump from the ballot due to January 6th they started an insurrection to overturn the election. Now, if there was evidence that shows, hey, look, he intentionally gathered the comrades, he intentionally told him to go to the Capitol and storm the place. The problem is, legally, did he start an insurrection? Is there evidence that says he started the insurrection? Now, I know what's in that clause of the 14th Amendment. All right. I want to read to you the 14th Amendment, but I want to ask y'all this question about this. Should he be barred? Is there evidence? As I look through articles, as I look through the case. Yet. Now, Trump will say what's on his mind. He doesn't hold back at all. He holds his own party in the Democrats. He has no filter. He had no filter when he uh, was cursing out the Asian reporter. And the Asian reporter is like, sir, why did you refer to me? When he talks about COVID, he said, you know, if... You know, why don't you ask China? Don't ask me, ask China. And he was like, you know what? What a nasty question that is. So it is very, very telling. That doesn't mean he started an insurrection. It doesn't mean that he intended an insurrection. I want to be fair. There's no evidence whatsoever. He could tell you to fight like hell. Fight for your country. Fight for your rights. You can't be weak. You got to stay strong. That's not the words of an insurrectionist. 
it is a guy, a president, who is telling the people, stand up, fight for yourselves at this time. Fight against the corrupt justice system that has been taking place. And the key word is they're coming after you. I'm just in the way. So Trump knows what's going on. They're on to him. And they want to make sure that he never, ever runs for president again. Trump is actually the first president ever to be selected by the people. He's like the people's choice president. He's the first one. He is the first one since God knows who. He's the first one. And what really triggered the elites, the Democrats, the Republicans to go after Trump was that press conference in his final days of president where he turned down the stimulus. He was reading off the information of what they were going to do with the money. Instead of giving them the stimulus, they were going to give money to other countries, the foreign lands, their military. They got caught. Trump told it, and it was a lot of firestorm. Hmm. Man. Just because somebody speaks their mind, just because somebody actually tries to tell you the truth about the judicial legislative and executive branches until and he tells you to fight like hell he tells you to be strong that doesn't mean he's an insurrectionist there's no real proof he hasn't been convicted he has not been convicted of it He was not found guilty of it. If he was, he will be in jail by now. That's what people don't understand. So right there, and then, he could actually file a lawsuit. He could actually not only appeal it, but... Trump has a case because he really wasn't convicted of the January 6th. No, his followers, they were convicted, but not Trump. Not Trump. As far as his business, his taxes, the Georgia election, that he was found, you know, he was indicted. 
but the process is still up in the air. Right? But there's not really once evidence, not one, to say he was an insurrectionist, that, hey, he started it. Not one. Now, I know Trump. Now, I know Trump could have handled it better. He could have. At the same time, you have to present evidence. You have to. In order to convict somebody. And they lack evidence against them. I'm sorry. It's more likely going to be overturned by the actual Supreme Court. So there's no worries at that particular area. All right. I'm going to read to you guys about the 14th Amendment. this section three thing no person shall be a senator or representative in congress or elected or elector of president and vice president or hold any office civil or military under the united states or under any state who having previously taken an oath as a member of congress or as an officer of the united states or as a member of any state legislative or as an executive or judicial officer or any state to support the Constitution of the United States shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid to confront the enemies thereof. But Congress may, by a vote of two-thirds of each house, remove such a disability. Let me read the last part. But Congress may, by a vote of two-thirds of each house remove such disability. All right. The courts can say, hey, look, he's guilty for sure. Okay, there's some kind of evidence mounted against him. But let's just say that he is filled with Democrats and there was hardly any evidence two thirds can vote for him to be disqualified period but this is what Trump has an advantage of Republicans are now in control of the house they're in control and they can vote of such a disability that means he will still be allowed to run for office. All right, y'all. Let me read this here. Section one, all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof or citizens of the United States and 
of the state wherein they reside. No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process. Let me repeat, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. All right, everybody, we are going to go on a quick recess. I shall return. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. Um, Had to take a quick recess, but I wanted to read section two. Representatives shall be appointed among the several states according to their respective numbers, counting the whole number of persons in each state, excluding Indians not taxed. But when the right to vote at any election for the choice of electors for president and vice president of the United States, representatives in Congress, the executive and judicial officers of a state or the members of the legislative thereof is denied to any of the male inhabitants of such state being 21 years of age and citizens of the United States or in any way abridged except for participation in rebellion or other crime the basics of representation therein shall be reduced in the proportion which the number of such male citizens shall bear to the whole number of male citizens 21 years of age in such state. I'm going to talk about number four, the validity of the public debt of the United States authorized by law, including debts incurred for payment of pensions and bounties for services in suppressing insurrection or rebellion shall not be questioned. But neither the United States nor any state shall assume or pay any debt or obligation incurred in aid of insurrection or rebellion against the United States or any claim for the loss or emancipation of any slave. But all such debts Obligations and claims shall be held illegal and void. Section 5. The Congress shall have the power to enforce by appropriate legislative the provision of this article. So, Congress has the power to enforce by appropriate, I'm sorry, by appropriate legislative the provision of this article. Hmm. Very interesting stuff there. It's all about evidence, but it's also about these judges being bought and paid for. Now, many of the judges, such as Thomas, such as 
Amy Barrett, and a few others. They're uh, being supported by Trump. And Trump has the advantage because his majority of it are conservatives. All right. Some of them are in that Supreme Court for what? 30, 40, 50 years. You know, they're they're really for the money. Having said all that, in all honesty, Trump has the advantage. He has the advantage to get it overturned. Right? Because Trump put them in office. Well, except Bush put Thomas in office. I think it's Bush or Reagan. All right. So we are living in interesting times. And like I said, the evidence just doesn't add up to Trump being an insurrectionist. No evidence whatsoever. All right. I wanted to also move on to another subject another subject that has really crossed my mind a lot of times these past couple of days that is actress Taraji P. Henson Taraji P. Henson happens to be one of my favorite actresses. Great attitude, great actress, award-winning actress. She was on the news recently because she broke down on how she has been underpaid. How she's only getting a fraction of what she is worth. A fraction. And she breaks it down real good. All right. And I tell you, I follow Taraji P. Henson. She has been in great movies award-winning movies Hidden Figures The Curious Case of Benjamin Button The Karate Kid Four Brothers What Men Want Tyler Perry's Acrimony The Color Purple award-winning movie I first started to follow her on Baby Boy. The family that prays, but most importantly, her best performance was Hustle and Flow. Very talented actress, 
she's probably the top five greatest of all time actresses. Always say Regina King, number one. Meryl Streep, number two. All right. And you have to put Taraji P. Henson in that Mount Rushmore kind of arena. So I wanted to play this clip. Being gracious at what I do, getting paid a fraction. So hard. Being gracious at what I do, getting paid a fraction of the cost. I'm tired of hearing my sister say the same thing over and over. Um, you get tired. I hear people go, you work a lot. I have to. The math ain't mathing. And when you start working a lot, you know, you have a team. Big bills come with what we do. We don't do this alone. The fact that we're up, is a whole entire team behind us. They have to get paid. So when you hear someone saying, oh, such and such made $10 million. No, that's not that. That didn't make it to their account. Know that off the top, Uncle Sam is getting 50%. Right. Okay. So do the math. Now we have 5 million. Your team is getting 30% or whatever your team is getting, off of what you grossed. Not before. after what Uncle Sam took. Now do the math. So, so hard. Well, all right. Right now, I want to transition <laughs> to Hollywood, which I am a minute part of. Um, <clears throat> one of the beauties of doing what I do for a living is that I get an opportunity to meet and ultimately be associated with some of the greatest talent that exists in this nation. And they come in all shapes, forms, and sizes and various professions. In this particular instance, I'm going to highlight Hollywood, black Hollywood, black females in Hollywood. Now I recently read news about barriers being broken I mean, we had the great Kerry Washington elevating herself to going from 80,000 per episode to over 250,000 per episode, according to reports when she was doing Scandal, one of my favorite shows all time. How to Get Away with Murder, Viola Davis. Um, once upon a time, she was making 250 an episode, and then they said she had elevated to making nearly 450,000 per episode. And just recently, we read reports that the marvelous, the wonderful, the incomparable, the sensational Angela Bassett, um, whose husband, Courtney Vance, he's a guy I love too, but boy, is he a lucky man. My God, she's so beautiful. 
Um, and women just need to take notes from her. Just look at me. You need to take notes. But I won't focus on that too much. What I'll say instead is that she's a sensational actress. We know what kind of a job she did in Malcolm X. We know what type of job she did and what's love got to do with it. Uh, playing Tina Turner. We know all of the, the marvelous roles that she's been with. Now on 911, not only as a lead actress, uh, but an executive producer on the show. She's broken barriers because now it's reported she's going to be making more than 450000 per episode. But there's always a few. Just like with the men, there's Morgan Freeman, there's Will Smith, there's Denzel Washington. Um, they stand out above the crowd, but the vast majority of others. You heard Terrence Howard recently complaining about the kind of stuff that transpires in Hollywood. Taraji B. Henson is another matter. She's another matter. Because she recently spoke um, as a guest being interviewed by Gail King on Sirius XM. Taraji P. Henson became very, very emotional when asked if there's any truth to reports that she is contemplating giving up acting altogether. Listen to what this woman had to say. Now, we could sit up there and go off and we could say, come on, come on, come on, but I don't want to hear that shit. We're talking about one of the great ones here that was reduced to tears because of a simple question that made her inflect and contemplate what kind of future was worth having if it was in the acting industry because of what she's experiencing. I could point out that Kiki Palmer and Gabrielle Union both spoke out uh, proclaiming they agreed totally with Taraji and that she ain't tell one single lie about the disparity of pay for black actresses. Okay. And I, for one, can tell you that because black actresses have been telling me that for years. The list goes on and on about the multitude of actresses who have spoken about the disparity in pay. What was Gabrielle Union paid when she and then I switched to Liberty Mutual and saved oh, hundreds. Go to I know. Exactly. <laughs> Don't buy another lottery ticket before you see this. Do you want to know how? Look at your life. Stop trying to pretend that you are diverse and happening and hip when you don't do right by these supremely talented artists. My God, Taraji P. Henson is so talented and versatile. Longevity, she's just so gifted. She's breaking down in tears over pay disparity. Here. I'm just tired of working so hard, being gracious at what I do, getting paid a fraction of the cost. Mm -hmm. I'm tired of hearing my sister say the same thing over and over. Um, you get tired. I hear people go, you work a lot. Yeah. Well, have to. The math ain't mathin'. And when you start working a lot, you know, you have a team. Big bills come with what we do. We don't do this alone. Yeah, it is a heartbreaking story to hear. Now, I heard, I saw some comments online saying, are people there 
to see Taraji P. Henson? No, they're there to see Brad Pitt. He brings viewers to the movies. Talking about the case of Benjamin Buttons. Well, you have a large audience that want to see Taraji P. Henson too. She is one of the great ones. To be honest, I put her ahead of Angela Bassett. Regina King is the greatest ever. And then behind her, Meryl Streep. I put Ruby D, number three. Taraji P. Henson, number four. Yes, Taraji P. Henson is an all-time great. She's an award-winning actress. A lot of people pay to see her. Did y'all forget Baby Boy? Did y'all forget Hustle and Flow? She came from Teen Summit of BET to becoming an Academy Award-winning actress. All right. And she deserves more money. Way more. Her net worth is 12 million. Just because they say that their net worth is 12 million doesn't mean that they actually have 12 million dollars right now all right that's simple mathematics that's simple accounting terms yes their network is 12 million but you have a team that endorse her yeah she has agents she has what website managers there are a lot of people that work under her they gotta get paid they need a paycheck too they need money and she pays them so guess what guess what she doesn't bring home 12 million after paying the people the taxes and this and that she'll probably come home with what four or five million maybe less all right even megastars they need help managing their money or managing their business so they employ people to do the day-to-day operations they get paid off of your salary and then all of a sudden your net worth, your bring home pay is going to trim down. People need to understand that. To me, she is a legend. But she is a class act among all actresses. 
and that's why I'm standing I'm standing up for her special shout out to Taraji P. Henson much love to you and all that I want to make a special special comment I want to talk about what I saw on ESPN that was pretty disturbing. Kimberly Martin in her direct shot at Cam Newton. All right. Some black athletes, they deserve criticism. Hey, I get it. I understand. But some they don't. And it's a double standard, just like the situation with Von Miller, Stephen A. Smith, Malika Andrews. They jumped all over him, saying, okay, they need to punish him right now. Draymond Green, the same way. They say, oh, suspend him 25 games. He shouldn't even come back. And there we have the Josh Giddy situation where they are keeping their mouths closed for some reason due to a lawsuit pending. So there is a double standard that is going on. A double standard. In this instance, Kimberly Martin just made fun of, tried to make fun of his clothes. It says that, what? Why aren't you in the NFL? You could have been a backup, but you're not in the NFL. And she went on and on and on about it. Number one, that's unprofessional. All right. ESPN has become one of the most unprofessional workplaces I've ever seen. All right. They pick and choose who they want to lead their um, agenda. If you get out of character, they will remove you. Just like they removed Max Kellerman, Keyshawn Johnson. Richard Sherman, a few others. Jalen Rose. You know, sports journalism has declined badly. I remember the days of Stuart Scott, one of the most professional journalists I've ever seen, maybe the greatest ever. All right. He's class personified. Not one time has he tried to disrespect an athlete or degrade them. All right. I can remember back in 1976 or 1977, the CBS Today crew of the NFL, Irv Cross, Brent Musburger. Jane Kennedy, 
you had an all-star cast. They talk about the game. They talk about the sport. They might do a little critical um, thinking of the player's performance. But that was that they put their egos to the side. They focus on the game. They focus on the sport. Same thing with Stuart Scott. And now is all today is all about the sports reporter becoming a headliner. It's all about former NFL or basketball players now transitioning into the media, becoming the headliner and not the game and not for their insight. It's too much entertainment is becoming a gossip column. And it's destroying the sports industry. It really has. And the sports industry is becoming a laughing stock because of journalism or journalists who want to play the he said, she said kind of thing. Just like Stephen A. Smith and Jason Whitlock. They were going back and forth and Stephen A. saying, I want to tell my sponsors just for this one time, can I go nuclear on him? Because he's a fat bastard, this and that and the other. And Jason Whitlock was saying, what can I do to get you out of that mindset? Let's do this. Let's go ahead. How can I get you out of that right frame of mind? And let, let me let me keep it 100 they're not going to do anything to each other. They talk a good game for TV ratings. They talk a good game so they could be in the headlines. But in all reality, they're not going to do nothing. They're not going to do anything to each other. Just like when the so-called Shannon Sharp Skip Bayless beef happened. And Shannon wanted to go off but in his final days his last day on undisputed he got emotional and he thanked Skip Bayless all this rah-rah is all for TV it's supposed to be like this brotherhood sisterhood and I know they don't there are times where there's tension But when there's money involved, where there's endorsements going on, investments going on, they all like a brotherhood, a sisterhood. It's a fraternity. And they protect each other under the oath. All right. That's why they don't like the independent entrepreneur who is out there on YouTube trying to make a name for themselves alright they're not going to do anything to each other too much money on the line and it's all about suckering you in to their little one on one so called beef well hey thank you for tuning in to this episode I want to thank my good friends at WGAG Radio, the Don Nicoleone Show. Much love to you, Don Nicoleone. You can check out the replays on YouTube, 
on his blog talk radio site. Look up WGAG Radio. You will not be disappointed in her episodes. Check out Hot Damn Politics. You will see the reruns there on uh, Blog Talk Radio. I'm not sure if they're ever coming back. It's best that they tell you. I'm just a fan and I support them just like they've supported me. So much love to you ladies. Much love to the WGG family. Much love to Mosi Studios. I want to say how much I really appreciate Mosi Studios, the cast, Mr. Fonzo, um, Guineve, one of my favorite actresses, Falami. Her name is Fala. I'm trying to pronounce it in Nigerian. But yeah, Miss um, Winnie. Great, great performers there. Excellent performers. And they've been given an award for their performance on Mosi Studios. So congratulations. So until next time, everybody, thank you for tuning in. You'll be safe. Stay safe. Have a wonderful night. Y'all be blessed. Bye-bye.